Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer from Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears dropped to two and two after losing a 20 to 12 game in the Meadowlands. But other than that, how are you feeling? Pretty good. You know, it's a uh, it's 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 always better. I watched some of Robert Schmitz's uh, post game. Him and Aaron Lemming did the post game show and. You know, I think you actually had a tweet about it, you know, that, that we're, we're lucky we have to wait a day because those are media postgame, man. It's just the, the emotions are so high. And, you know, I mean, I'm still a little annoyed at the game, but it's, you know, it's it's nowhere near what it would have been. We have a chance to go back, kind of watch the film, listen to the pressers, hear what they all have to say. The injuries kind of at this point are kind of we know some of the injuries. So it's like, OK, you know, it's, it's a little different perspective, which is why I kind of enjoy the uh, the way we do things here. Yeah, you do have a certain appreciation for it. The emotions can run high, even though, you know, I had ex- low expectations for what this team would look like. And I still yeah. get really irritated by some things. And you're still learning about this new coaching staff. You're learning about new players. There are some things that haven't changed since the last regime or in some <laughs> things that almost feel worse. And yeah. you're like, oh no, are we going backwards, right? And we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff, but it's it's hard to separate yourself in the moment and then you get a little bit of time and some of that cools off. I'm still not feeling great about things. Like I, I, there may be some heat that comes through here because everything's bad in this game. Yeah. This, is, this is a bad game uh, to talk about. And second viewing did not help things and it actually made some things worse uh, that I didn't maybe pick up on and in, in, in quite the same way, but yeah. we will, we will apply our categories and we will be as fair as we possibly can be to this ball club. <laughs> you know, I did make sure I have something more positive, more uplifting I have in, in our categories. So I may, I always try and make sure we have something, you know, we gotta be balanced. You know, I, I, so I have, I have something here coming up that is uh, a little positive. So at least we have that going for us. Good. Well, good cop, bad cop this week. Uh, okay. <laughs> or, or, kind of jerk cop and really bad cop you know yeah, it's probably what it would be, be but, work. all right well let's let's get in every show we start off with our trench tribute this year it's sponsored by our friends at portillo's we have some people in the youtube comments talking about how they have spent part of their yes. gift card already very exciting that those are getting out there uh last week's winner should be getting their gift card here in a day or two um so you know share with us what your order is when you when you get it in and you know make sure that you're uh you know tweeting us your meal and all that kind of stuff if you would like a chance to win a hundred dollar portillo's gift card let us know give us a comment where where you get your bear and balanced of who you think your player of the week was this is a hard one because it was a tough game to pick out a player of the week but Go ahead and do so, and we will put you in the drawing. If that's uh, an email address, it's 2nd 
citygridiron at gmail.com. Uh, just hit up the Twitter. Um, we'll have a, this this episode posted. You can make a comment on that. And then if you do comment on the uh, YouTube clip, just make sure you check back to see if you won. Yes. Because we've had a couple people win from, from the YouTube and then we don't know how to contact them. So it takes a little while. So uh, just kind of check back on that and uh, let us know who your trench tribute is. I believe that it's my turn to go first this week. You got it. Uh, I was very tempted to just say Patrick Scales and just move on. Uh, but I I think that I at least need to give Justin Jones a little bit of, of, of love here. It is very difficult to give any sort of props to a defensive line that gets gashed in the run game like they did. It is even harder to give any love to an offensive line that gave up a pressure light rate like they did in this one. But Justin Jones did have a couple of nice plays. He had two tackles for loss, six tackles overall. There's a stat out there that says he is winning 25% of his pass block reps. Um, hard to like reconcile that with what we've seen. That's the pass block w- win rate in reverse, pass, correct? Pass yeah. block win ESPN, rate, yeah. which is a good number for a defensive tackle. Uh, it's a top 10 mark so far this year. And so I think that, you know, this was the the consolation, the backup plan to Ogunjobi, right? The, the, the signing that didn't work out. Uh, they, they pulled that contract. They gave money to Justin Jones come in. He's here for a couple of years. Uh, I think he's played okay. Like he's not a world beater, um, but he did have a couple of nice plays in this one. It's slim pickings along, along the trenches. The Giants really beat up the Bears along the trenches in this one. Dave Gettleman is somewhere saying, <laughs> see, I told you so, yeah. uh, because the the Lions really won this one through the trenches. But that, that's who I identified. What about you? Uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Justin Jones because one thing I noticed about watching him when I, when I go back and watch the film is he he flashes you know he's mm. he's been very inconsistent right but the times he has won you know he, he's looked good the times he has lost he's looked really bad where he's just stuck on blocks he really does nothing but you know I, I think he's you know he's still i hate to keep going back to the learning the scheme thing because he's a defensive lineman he's you know it's his gig but you know he's still it's he's in a different style than he was in with the chargers so you know i i think he's been a a nice pickup for the bears he's not you know, at, at the same level of Logan Joby, who I have not watched any film on, I'll admittedly so. Um, but what I did watch from him, you know, previous, he was inconsistent. So Justin Jones kind of has that same vibe going for him where, you know, he flashes here with a TFL or, or he gets a pressure. And then the next play, he's like a non-factor. But, you know, I, I again, I, he, he had a few, few tackles this game. I thought he had a nice game. But for me, my trends tribute, I'm going to go with uh, Cody Whitehair again. He wasn't in the game very often, but when he was in there, he, again, he, he was the best offensive lineman. And when he exited, it really was noticeable because then you had Lucas Patrick who had to kick over. And and I I, I think I tweeted about it or I thought about tweeting about it. That's tough. So well, it exists. If you other. thought about tweeting about it, it exists, right? I wasn't sure. It's, I wasn't sure if it's out there. So if anyone says, you never said that, it, it was in my brain at some point. So Lucas Patrick going right guard to left guard. Uh-huh. It's he struggled at, at left guard, you know. Yeah. Uh, I thought Patrick was okay when he was on the right side. I thought he's been okay. You know, I still think Tevin Jenkins is a much better football player right guard, but Jenkins immediately, or I'm sorry, Patrick immediately gave up pressure. He looked bad. 
the difference in Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick was was really stark. Uh, so I got to go with Cody Whitehair again. And now we heard today that he's going to be out for some time. Who knows what that is? They'll make a determination on injury reserve uh, later this week. If he does go to IR, that's an automatic four games he'll miss. I hope the, the knee injury is not that severe because the Bears desperately need their best offensive lineman to be playing. Why don't we talk about that here a little bit more? So if Whiter is out for uh, any period of time, it was said today that they're going to go with the line that they put out there, um, you know, mid game. So that would be Lucas Patrick playing left guard. You would keep Sam Mustafer at center and Tevin Jenkins would be your right guard. And I think that what one thing you touched on is they signed Lucas Patrick be a center. Mm -hmm. And he was getting guard reps I think so that he was getting game shape so that he could come back and slide back into center. Uh, he's not a good guard. We don't know. He's not a right guard. I mean, he's not, he wasn't terrible, but like, he's not good. He's not like a good plus player. We don't know what he is at center. Cause we haven't seen him uh, play center for the bears in the scheme. Right. One would believe that he would be better than Sam Mustafer, um, who, who, who had a rough one. He had a rough uh, one. He had a rough one. More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> but what's what's interesting is throwing a guy that you signed to be a center uh, and has been taking reps at right guard and then putting him at left guard and being like, oh, God, and he was terrible. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's hard. It is, they're not the same position. I know that the people think that it is. Oh, you're playing all, you're playing line. It's the it's same, the same thing. Man. It's all the same. Yeah. Like, I mean, we talk a lot about how much different it is to play tackle and guard because of just how that relationship is but flipping side there's a lot of professional offensive linemen that say that they would much rather kick out to tackle as a guard or slide into guard from a tackle on the same side than they would be to flip sides and particularly if you are a little bit further on in your career because of that muscle memory that that you've developed and everything's flipped and to ask a guy to flip mid-game is a really big ask and he's not a rookie. Like he's, he's into his career. Yeah. I don't know where he played on, on the Packers offensive line. I really don't, but he's been practicing on the right. I'm not shocked that he got in first rep yet. He gets absolutely whipped one. He's going against good competition. And two, it's just, it's, it's not, it hasn't been practiced. He doesn't have the mental reps. He doesn't have that going. So could this line configuration work? Maybe, but I would much rather see them go with the original plan, put Lucas Patrick in at center when he's able to snap with this thumb fully healed and put somebody else in at left guard, whether that's, I, I don't know where the health is of, of the rookie, uh, Zach Thomas. I don't know because he got hurt, right? Zach's on the practice squad. They have, the practice squad. They have, uh, didn't look J great. Jatiri Carter is there. Tyre he was, he was inactive last week. Okay. So Peter Ice is playing practice squad guy. Yep. Carter had been playing right guard in, yeah. in, in camp. You got Leatherwood, who's on the active roster. Um, don't know what their long-term plans are with him. If they wanted to maybe try to put him in at left guard or something like that. I, I would I would rather see that, but I, clearly that's not where they're thinking. They're they're trying to duct tape things together here. And I don't think it's the right plan. Yeah. I, I think with with Leatherwood, I think. 
you know, everything I've, I've, I've seen, I've talked to guys that are, you know, much more in the know about the college game than I am. You know, they say left guard might be Leatherwood's best because he was a, a good left tackle in college. Right. Uh, so he's got that left side muscle memory going. He, he's really struggled in the right side. So once he's cleared from mono, and he's able to practice again. If by chance Whitehair's still out, I think that I would like to see Leatherwood get a chance at left guard. It's, it's, it's a worse line. I mean, with Whitehair out, it's going to be worse because, you know, now you have a guy in, like you said, Patrick's left guard. That's not what he was brought in for. Must for struggled a bit at center this last week. And, you know, the, the, I mean, the one positive in all this, Tevin Jenkins now is you're going to be your hundred percent all the reps at right guard. That's the one positive in this whole thing. Other than that, the the O line is worse today than it was last week, and that's not saying much. Yeah, you took out your one consistent piece, so yep. it, something we'll obviously watch. Uh, the Vikings are up next, and that'll be a whole thing. Uh, good luck to Justin. We will get into that. Just keep him upright. Just keep him upright as much as you can. Keep him healthy, please. We're going to the Commanders game in Week Six, the Thursday nighter. Please keep Justin healthy. That is oh, that's all right. I You're have. going to that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Big time. So let's uh, let's move on to the, the the tweet of the week. So my tweet this week is from uh, Doug. I don't know how to say this last name. Kyad? Kyad? Uh, close enough. Uh, so he says, uh, hashtag Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence had eight total pressures yesterday against the Bears. That's tied for the most ever in a single game by a defender listed over 320 pounds. Okay, one. What database is Doug searching where he's able to put in the weight of the defensive tackle to come up with this number. I don't know. Two, most defensive tackles weren't 320 pounds for the first, you know, 70 years of the of the yeah. league. So like there is that it's not like, you know, that much of a stretch, but, uh, and I don't know how long they've been tracking pressures, which is the other, the other piece of this. So I don't know how far this goes back. And there's a lot of qualifiers here, like being 320 pounds, 320 pounds listed as your like combine weight or is it like a real weight because some of those weights just aren't real but let's just take this for what it is that dexter lawrence had a really good game hell of a game and yeah. if you watch the 10 minute drill little plug if you watch the 10 minute drill i said the key matchup for the bears was dexter lawrence against this interior offensive line for the chicago bears because he's a really good football player he does not get talked about nearly enough like a lot of the other guys uh, on that defense get oxygen. I don't think he does. He had an absolute stellar game because he's a really good football player, but he took advantage of a pretty tough spot for, from the Bears. That's a total mismatch against uh, against Sam Mustafer. I don't care if he's been playing a little better this year than he had last year. That is a complete mismatch. Lucas Patrick was mismatched against him. The Bears did not have answers for Dexter Lawrence yesterday. Tevin Jenkins uh, was pretty good against them. I mean, I don't think Tevin Jenkins gave up any pressures in the game, but you mentioned Mustafer, you mentioned Patrick. Those guys got worked. I mean, there was, like you said, the first play with Patrick was terrible. You know, there's there's clips, uh, you know, when you go back and watch the game, they're all over Twitter too. I mean, it's, you know, Sam Mustafer had a rough game against him. And, uh, you know, I, I was not aware of him very, very much, to be honest, before the Giants game. And and then I, I watched the 10-minute drill and you mentioned him. And I'm like, okay, I better keep an eye on this guy. And then, yeah, he he is a hell of a football player. He he's uh he, he's a physical presence in there, and he, he's really good with his hands. I mean, like so many of the reps that must for lost, even Patrick lost, it's just like they engage and then they just get shucked out of the play immediately. And you know, it's 
we talked about that pass rush win rate earlier in the show. I, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be for Must for and for uh, for Patrick after this week's game. It's a little bit of a, a weird victory lap. I don't like to take a victory lap ah, and yeah. being right about this sort of thing, but it is. it was one of those where it's like, ah, man, I saw this coming. That's the guy, away. yeah. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's go to yours. What do you have for the tweet of the week? Uh, Mike Brown, uh, Bears fans all know Mike Brown. Uh, you know of the uh, of the of the two thousand Bears at twenty one MB thirty. To my Bears fans, I know we all we want to win them all. We play hard. We're young but feisty. To grow, I think it's a heartfelt process. We got something brewing with heart and efforts. And the cool thing is, we got thirteen to go. First off, that's some nice perspective there. I mean, it is a young season. The Bears are two and two. You know, so many fans, we want immediate success from the young players on, on our team or otherwise they're busts. You know, you see it all, all through social media. You see it on, on, on the talk shows, sports radio. You know, uh, the NFL story is long, long from over for guys like Bayless Jones. Rough game. Kyler Gordon, Justin Fields, Braxton Jones, you know, even Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. They're early in their careers and their jobs. Long season to go. Um, that's a nice perspective. Uh, and then secondly, I, I just think it's cool that that former players like Mike Brown still talk about the Bears in terms of we. You know, it shows that they really, no, they. I mean, they care, man. I mean, it's you know, the, you know, Mike Brown was a Bear for what nine years. I mean, you know, yeah. he had some injuries towards the end of his career, but he was a very popular player in Chicago. So I think it's cool that he's, uh, you know, he still has his eyes on on his old team. Yeah, I mean, Mike Brown in terms of like love from Bears fans. Uh, has to be one of the, I mean, this is the, 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 it's, it's deserved because he produced on the field and he yes. has some really great years. There are some players that bears fans love that didn't necessarily produce all that much. Um, then those guys are always funny that we have to come up with a name for those guys. Like this, this like fan favorite kind of player that, you know, out, you know, uh, is out loved <laughs> their production, but yeah. whatever Brown Brown was really great. He yeah. was just going to stay healthy towards the end there. And, because of that, you know, the, he doesn't get necessarily the, the love from the national, you know, history books as, as he should, because he could have had one of those historic careers. That was just his, his presence and his kind of second nature on the field. But I think that you touched on something that I'm, I've been reminding myself is that when we had, you know, when we were covering Nagy and it was, like I would say, look, he, he it looks like the players are responding to his his methods. Yeah. But he's got some things to work on, right? Like there are things that he needs to see. We need to see if he'll improve on. Like he needs to see, we need to see if he can tie run game with the pass. It never happened, right? Like there were things that just never happened with him. He didn't grow as a head coach, and that's why he left, right? These guys are not finished products, particularly when you're when you're hiring a first-time head coach, you really don't know what you're getting. And they have to be willing to learn lessons and get better, right? Or otherwise, they're not going to be in that job very long. If you're hiring a second-time head coach, you hope that they're going to learn from the lessons that they they were given to them uh, during their first tenure, right? Like that—that's kind of how that works. They just chose to to hire Matty Rufus over a Doug Peterson who you know had a Super Bowl championship and who has gone down to Jacksonville and has instantly added a real adult in the room and has yeah. learned a lot from his time in, in Philadelphia and that team's playing hard, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're punching above their weight or they're punching their weight. I don't know. They've got a lot of players and it looks like they've kind of refreshed that organization. 
So it's a little bit of a gamble when you hire a new head coach. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, you catch Sean McVay and like, oh, you're set up for as long as he wants to do this thing. But then, you know, sometimes you have a guy where it might take some time. And when I, th I think that's where we have to, we have to keep telling ourselves this because if I bring my analytical mind to uh, Matt Eberfuss's first four games, I'm not happy. Like yeah. he's, he's not doing things in a way that the math really represents and he's not playing like an underdog. And that, that kind of drives me nuts. Like you are the underdog, you're on the road. Like, please stop kicking 22 yard field goals or whatever the heck it was. Right. Go for it. Like go for it on fourth and two from the four. That is, that is unacceptable for you to, to not go for it there. But these guys have an opportunity to learn. And if they don't, then they're not going to be here very long, but you have to give them the space for that. So I don't know what you did there. Let's let's go on to uh, I was trying in to move some stuff around and I hit click something. I'm like, oh, you click the wrong button and you I messed know. everything up. All right. Well, let's let's go to the stats of the week. Caught up in a numbers game. Uh, this will be a depressing one. But yes. 183.3, that is the yards per game allowed on the ground by the Chicago Bears defense. That is the worst in the league. And I went back and I looked, I, okay, what does that mean? It's four games in, that number will come down. They're going to play some teams that aren't very good at running the ball. But then I thought, this is also not a very good team. They could be trailing a lot. So they could be playing teams that were going to put a lot of carries on them. So actually, this is a number I need to kind of care about for a while. I went back and I looked at the last 20 years of the worst team in the league and what they gave up per game. The mean, the, so the average of those 20 teams. This, this so, this is the, bad. so this is the worst team in each year over the last 20 years. The worst team uh, average is 152.8. So that's a lot of yards. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, about half of those teams gave up more yards per game and about half of those teams gave up fewer yards per game. But 183.3 is well above the worst team out there, right? So this, we could be talking about one of the worst run defenses in the last, you know, in the last two decades, if this continues. There are a couple other teams that are doing poorly as well that aren't that far behind the Bears so far this year, but Four games is not nothing. Like they're going to have to have some decent games to get that number down. And again, if they're going to be trailing in a lot of games, that means the opposing offense is going to be running the football to try to kill the clock. This could be a number that we have to worry about. And this goes back. The Bears are on this list, by the way. <laughs> 2013, they had the worst uh, yards per game allowed in run defense as well. So trust one of Tressman's years. I feel that? like that was a Mel Tucker defense. So. Uh, yes, this is, uh, something to think about here. I mean, the giants are kind of like the bears. I mean, they have a, a questionable offense, questionable passing game, but they got a, a good running game. Um, you know, they want to keep games close and, you know, that's kind of how the game, game script went yesterday because that's what they did. They, they ran Saquon Barkley 30 some odd times. I think he had a, a, a career best number there. Just gash the bears. I mean, yards after contact, you know, I mean, just he's such a good, a good football player. And uh, he's all the way back. I mean, the injury was a couple years ago and with his ACL, it was happened in Chicago, I believe, and, or against Chicago at least. And man, that's a good football player. And, you know, that was my one concern. I mean, I, I really thought the bears were going to win this game. Uh, I thought they'd do a little better job on Barkley. They didn't. I mean, Barkley they did not. pretty much did his head his way. And 
you know, it wasn't just Barkley. It was like they were too focused on Barkley, which allowed Daniel Jones to do his thing. And but we'll get into that. You were somehow too focused on Barkley, but couldn't stop him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what about you? What do you got? I got two numbers this week. Uh, it's it's 41.75% and 36%. Those were two numbers. And um, Brad Spielberger, our guy at PFF underscore Brad, he tweeted out a graph earlier today. And it showed the Bears to be were the league's worst in two different categories. One, they allowed a pressure on 41.75% of all their dropbacks. Um, and, and secondly, their pass catchers are considered either open or wide open on just 36% of their dropbacks. Those are two categories for the passing game that is just awful. I mean, Justin Fields, he has his issues. So we'll talk about those as well. Um, you know, he's not, you know, some of his pocket presence, um, you know, some of the decisions he makes, but he has no help. His supporting cast is, uh, has got some issues here. And that goes back to uh, GM Ryan Poles, how he decided to bring in uh, and constructed how he did. I mean, there were some moves he made here, but Ryan Poles' vision was the future. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to get through this one season. But man, if Justin Fields doesn't have any, any chance, doesn't have any help at all. You know, getting pressured all the time, and his guys aren't really ever open. How are you going to judge what you have in the in the QB one? Yeah, so there was a play. Uh, well, let's let, let's deal with the offensive line. Okay, so if you're giving up forty percent of the time uh, a, a quick pressure, like particularly for a guy that wants to try to throw the ball down the field, it, it's not going to work. Like we know this, and then you see how. I don't want to say jumpy, but how quick he is to react to that and how quick he is to start dropping his eyes. That's not really his fault. That is yeah. just survival <laughs> instinct there. And so I don't know how you can give Justin Fields too much grief about the way that he's handled his his pocket presence and, and bailing out of the pocket. And then if he does stand in there and take a hit, who is he throwing it to? Right. Like, the, you know, there's there's not this open, obvious wide receiver. And there was a there was a play yesterday that kind of got people's attention where um, there was Mooney down the seam came pretty wide open when when Justin took off. It was a nice scramble. It was, I think it was a first down scramble, but he came op- wide open down the seam. And if, if Justin would have been looking to throw the ball still and, and noticed it, he could have thrown it pretty easily for for a for a score um yeah cool in isolation in a vacuum yeah. i agree with you he could have he had him open that that did that play did seem to eventually get mooney open but can you blame the guy for seeing green grass getting uh, away from the rush and saying i'm going to pick up this first down and not having his eyes downfield when he's been you know, under constant duress the entire game like no, like he, it's, it's not working. <laughs> Whatever happened in the off season where you thought you could cobble together, uh, you know, a, a legitimate offensive attack with, uh, with spare parts and bubble gum and duct tape. It didn't work. It didn't work. You know, I thought last year he was a little better on the move, keeping his eyes downfield than he has been this year. You know, this year, you know, the pressure rate has just been, I think it's been overwhelming him where that's that's on his mind. And 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 that's one fear you always have with a young quarterback is like you hear about it with, with you draft a guy, if if they start seeing ghosts, they start thinking pressure's there when it's not really there. And I don't think he's at that point yet, but 
if, if this 40 some odd percent, you know, pressure percentage keeps it up, you know, throughout this whole season, there's a chance that, uh, that they're going to ruin him. You might be right. I also think that there may be more of a, a coaching point to say, Hey, if you escape the pocket, like, and it's something and you yeah. see the green grass, take the first, like, cause that was not, I'm running right into a linebacker. I think he probably, again, people were complaining. Oh, that was a good touchdown. I, I, I tweeted it out. I said, yeah, it looked like he flashed open there, but he saw green grass and, and he, and he got a first down. It was a positive play. It was one of the, you know, it's a, it's a first down, you know, get, getting closer. That's to probably the, their best play is, you know, one of their best plays, yeah, right? Going. Yeah. And so it's tough to be too critical yeah. uh, of him in that situation because in, in many ways that what if he fires that ball downfield and it's dropped or it's just, it's off target or whatever, like he's taken a sure thing. Sometimes you, you, you take the, the bird in the hand and, yeah. and that's what it looked like to me too. So I don't want to, again, he didn't see it to make that like conscious decision because he had already dropped his eyes um, to, to, to run, but I don't think you can be too upset with him for, you know, running the ball for 12 yards or whatever yeah. that was. Yeah. Uh, let's, I mean, we'll just get into the fields report. We've yeah. already basically been doing it here. He's was 11 for 22 bad. Uh, no, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Good. Good. Uh, 174 yards bad for a 2022 quarterback. Good for Justin Fields in 2022. Best uh, game of the year, right? Best game so far. Wow. Six rough. sacks for 19 yards loss, which means that two of them were like zero yard sacks right like they were i think there were three zero yard sacks so okay six sacks sounds like a lot but it was probably more like three uh seven carries for 52 yards one fumble lost so he he did have more success on the ground per carry than he's had in some of the other games uh again he the yardage was at least not like you know vomit levels that it that it had been and he had that one real nice long completion to mooney uh but overall like this I mean, this ain't gonna do it man 11 for 22 isn't gonna do it uh you know there's a couple there was a couple balls where it's obvious where like you need a wide receiver that can get you a bucket right like oh. you need a wide receiver that can that you can count on that you can kind of throw it in the general direction and this is where that ryan poles comment comes back into play where you know, he had an opportunity to go out and get Amari Cooper really early in his tender tenure. He didn't do it. I think he probably regrets that every every day because it was a it was a cheap opportunity for him to to acquire, uh, you know, a steady wide receiver that he could put out there. He maybe could have had the opportunity to, to acquire a guy like DK Metcalf who got an extension or Debo Sam who got an extension. I don't think he probably could have, but like people are going to talk about that. AJ Brown's probably like you know, potentially the guy he could have got, but they wouldn't have been able to outbid the Eagles um, for this year's capital. So I don't know that he could have gotten anybody else, but it's, it's very clear as much as I liked Arnold Mooney, that he's not the get you a bucket guy. He's not the throw it in his general direction. And he's, and he's going to make a play. And that's also not Cole Komet. So the two guys we thought were going to be one and two in this offense, they're not get you a bucket guys They're They get, you know, they need to be, well, certainly Cole Komet needs to be schemed up, but uh, you know, Mooney, it, it, he, he needs some level of, uh, of route combination and coverage for him to be able to get open. And it's just, hasn't really been there yet this year uh, for, for that connection. And there is no dominant alpha guy in this wide receiving core. 
when you talk about a receiving core, you, you like to, I heard a, the analogy. It's like a basketball team. You want guys different shapes and sizes. You know, it's, it's, you know, you with Mooney, he's not your big power forward type, you know, Equinemius St. Brown is six, four, six, five. He's a good physical presence, but he doesn't play to his size when the ball's in the air. We, or we haven't seen that yet. I mean, maybe, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of chances. From what I've seen him in Green Bay, what I watched a little bit of his tape from Notre Dame, he didn't seem like he's that kind of a, a, a go up and get it, you know, physical presence kind of guy. There was a play with, to Dante Pettis uh, in the game the other day where he kind of went up, had a chance at the ball, hit him right in the hands. It was a, it would have been a, a, a nice catch, but he didn't come down with it. I think if you have a a more physical type of presence, someone who's just you know is used to that, they go up and get a kind of guy that that guy makes that play. DK Metcalf makes that play. You know, a guy like A.J. Brown makes that play. You know, a guy like Pettis, who is on his, what, fourth team, fifth team, whatever it is, um, he does not make that play. So that's going to be on the uh, on, on the list for Ryan Poles this offseason. You know, find a, uh, a guy that can be a, a physical presence on the other side of Mooney. I, I like Mooney. I think Mooney has the skill set to be a, a very good player. I mean, he showed it a year ago. Like you said, he's a guy that you got to scheme up a little bit. You got to kind of work specific routes with him. Um, I'm wondering why there's not more slants called to Mooney. I mean, he's got that, you know, good release off the line. Uh, he's quick. I think there's other things you do with Mooney. I mean, the, the deep ball was nice. He has the deep speed, but you need a guy that you can trust that where when, when things break down, you know, okay, I got this guy one-on-one. Let's just rip it and see what happens. The Bears don't have that guy. And DK Metcalf would have been amazing. Uh, it would have been kind of the perfect uh, acquisition. Yeah. Obviously, I, I don't know how if the Seahawks entertained any offers or anything like that, but that obviously nice. would have been great. Yeah. Um, I think that's why when you hear people start starting mock drafts, our, you know, our friend Jacob Infante, who's obsessed with college football and, and scouting, already doing you know mock drafts. But when people do mock drafts and they start drafting. Anything other than a wide receiver, I'm like, just stop, just stop yeah. talking to me. Go back and draft a wide receiver. Like, like it's it's so clear that this is where this is heading. Um, I'll throw out the name T. Higgins, one of my favorite players. I don't know if the Bengals can afford to pay, you know, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins uh, long term. Maybe maybe they'd be willing to move on from him. Uh, that would be great. I don't know how you're going to get him, but if you can you do it because he's one of those guys that can that can go out and get you a bucket and, and be that reliable safety valve. So more to talk about there, but I will say that, uh, again, it's a long season, 13 more of these. Hopefully Justin can stay healthy. We can get a full year of film on, on what he looks like in this offense, and we start to see a little progress, um, and we can sort of do somewhat of an evaluation from there. Report from the first four games, still not good. It's, All rough. Right. it's a rough, rough first quarter of the season. Yeah. We're a second quarter team. Whatever. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll get into everybody's favorite segment, the three bears. All right, Lester, let's get into the three bears. So hot, cold, and just right bowls of porridge. I got a text from number one Bears fan, my mom, who was wanting to hand out cold bowls of porridge. And I'm like, yeah, that's the easy part. Like, yeah. you know, I know cold bowl, I could go, they can pretty much go anywhere with cold bowl of porridge. But hot bowl of porridge is a little harder for a game like this. And uh, for me, I have to give this to Michael Badgley 
There it is. The 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 money badger. <laughs> That's a terrible nickname. That's man. a terrible name. <laughs> uh, four for four field goals. This guy signed. I don't know what he was doing last week. If he was eating Cheetos on the couch, or if you know, if, if he was. Uh, you know, running an accounting firm. I have no idea what Michael Badgley was doing last week, but he wasn't playing football. This week he was. He comes in and he hits four out of four field goal opportunities. Yes, a couple of them were really short because Matty Refluce doesn't know how to go for fourth down. But <laughs> like still, he was given four opportunities. He converted four field goals and he sat on the bench and he got a lot of airtime on the broadcast. And when you have a perfect game in a situation where everybody else is having kind of a bad one, I'm going to hand you my cold, my hot bowl of porridge. So there you go. Michael Badgley. Cairo Santos is back. You know, they talked about it today in the press conference. He's back this week. Um, I think Badgley's officially may still be in the practice squad. Um, I can't imagine he'll be there for much longer because, you know, teams are always looking for a kicker and Badgley, you know, came out and, and it was it was not the best conditions. It was a, a bad, uh, the weather was poor. He, he said four for four. I think Badgley will be around as long as possible, but he won't be here very long. I mean, uh, is he the greatest kicker in team history at this point? You know, 100% field goal percentage. I'm and have he, to check you those know? numbers. It might be. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, no right, extra points you? though for him. So, okay. For me, I, I actually had him written down just in case because uh, I wanted to make sure we did talk about it. But I'm going to go safety Eddie Jackson. Um, okay. Third interception now in, in, in four weeks. He had nine tackles. Um, he started off the game with a physical presence in the run game right off the bat. Um, yeah, there was a one play later where it was the big gaping hole where he kind of came up uh, quickly and he went to the wrong gap, which – it's going to happen. You know, he's not going to be a perfect here, but, but I thought he had a really good game. He was nice in coverage. Um, Eddie Jackson, man, it's, this is, I mean, this is who he's always been. He's always been decent in coverage. He's, he's always, he's a willing tackler. He never was like a physical presence, but I mean, he's coming up and doing what he has to do now. And, you know, we talk about every week he's, he's bought into the hits, hits philosophy. You know, he really seems like he's enjoying how he's using this defense. And uh, Eddie Jackson, man, he's he's my uh, the, the, he gets the hot bowl this week for me. Yeah, I thought it was maybe like a just right bowl for me, but it's hard. It's hard, man. It's hard. It's to hard this week, yeah. You know? right. So, all right, cold. Um, I think you can literally go anywhere. Uh, That's a rough one. Luke Getzey for having no gutsy. Uh, O-line protection. Pick, take your pick. I mean, just that. That's a that's a whole unit failure. Uh, wide receivers not you know, not converting opportunities, not getting open, um, run defense, getting absolutely gashed, uh, no discipline from the defensive ends on the bootlegs. I mean, zero. We've seen every single team that the bears have played. Their defensive ends are unbelievably disciplined and not biting on anything. And Justin Fields has to make some amazing maneuver to get away from them when he, when he's able to, and to be fair, he's been able to a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they Daniel Jones somehow becomes like the greatest bootleg quarterback of all time. And you can't, you can't stay disciplined and stay home. You can't just fly off the edge and just assume that he's going, that he's going to bootleg and just knock him out. Like I I've never understood that from, this is an old defensive tackle talking. I've never understood the defensive end thing where you just get sucked down. Just go cover the quarterback, just like make an assumption. And if he turns around, he's got the ball. Boom. Like, just like make the play. Like, so I don't understand what's happening there. 
you know, Gordon had another rough day. I mean, I think you could give it to pretty much anybody, but I, I think that for me, if I have to pick just one, I'm going to give it to Luke Getzey, man. Like I am really disappointed with this play calling. You call a run play with uh, a heavy package where you bring in uh, a condensed formation with bigger guys and you run like a, a running play on like third and two or whatever. And you're not going to go for it on fourth down. Get out of here with that noise. Yeah. Get out of here. Like stop condensing the field because that means that your running back just does not have a lot of opportunities to be right. You're, you're saying like our guys are going to beat their guys. Do you know who you're going against? <laughs> this is a team that spent like all their draft picks on defensive linemen and offensive linemen over the last year that, because of Dave Gettleman. That's all they did is they draft on the line. You don't have that. So you have a weakness and you're going up against the strength and you say, let's just run the ball like it's 1982. Stop it. And then not to go for it on fourth down, no guts. Like, who are you? You are not a very good football team. You're an underdog on the road. Act like it. Go for it on fourth down. Go down swinging. This field goal crap, absolutely just it's still getting to me. It's a day yeah. later and I'm still upset. So he's going to get the cold bowl porridge and he's going to eat every last bite of it. Yeah. That was a play. I think it's the same third and two we're thinking of where he had a condensed package. They brought in uh St. Brown and a motion to kind of, kind of lead the play. And then they, they got nothing there. And it's like, okay, I assume they're going to go for No, they didn't go for it on fourth down. It's like you hear the, the hear the on, on the broadcast all the time. They talk about how the coach, the head coach has to let the play caller know, Hey, this is a, a this is four down territory that guides them on that third down play. I don't know. Is that not happening with the Bears? I mean, are they too? Are they still trying to figure out what they're going to do here? I, I can't imagine. I, I'm sure they know, you know, but the, I just don't like you said, I don't like some of the play calls. And then, uh, you know, did you happen to notice in that chat? We're in the Bears chat. Uh, Jonathan Wood, our guy from the Bears blog, had a few numbers in there. Talk about the uh, the first down uh, for the first three quarters. I think it's like 50 percent pass run ratio. It's okay. It's fine. First down is a nice time to take a shot with Ralph. Second down, you know, it was uh, even worse than that. I think they're running the ball like like fifty some out, like like fifty four percent of the time on second down. How many second and ten runs do you got to do to realize this is not going to work? You know, I I have never been a fan of the second down run. I mean, if you're going to do something, do something creative, do something tricky. Maybe you come with something, you know, jet sweep or end around or a counter, something you know different. You know, at least you know try and you know outflank the defense don't just run a traditional inside zone or outside you know come on do do something um or play action you know i mean everyone at this point knows the bears are going to run the ball on second and ten well then let's come with the play action so i don't i don't know just uh yeah through four games i, I was excited for luke etsy you know now now there's some tape now there's some trends being being shown here you know it's not all the the monsoon game now we have three other games to go by here so he's got to pick it up definitely got to pick it up all right, I listed a whole bunch of options for you. Where yeah. are you going with your cold bowl? I had two things written down. One, you know, we kind of touched on them, but but for me, I'm going to general the backside contain. That's my general cold bowl. Give it to all those defensive ends. You know, it was bad watching the game live. My rewatch, I was more annoyed because like back when I coached, that was always an emphasis, obviously. You know, I, I had I had kids, you know, it's like, you know. You, your job, this is your job. You come across, that's your job. You know, you're not chasing. If you chase, you're out of the play. Now everything comes back around you to your side. It's your, your, your responsibility. And you know what? These guys are professionals. 
they were all chasing. You know, I'm not just talking to defensive ends, which it's usually in this scheme, it's it's usually at the end. Um, Quinn, Robinson, uh, you know, Gibson, Muhammad, it's usually those guys. But depending on how the look is, sometimes it's a linebacker, sometimes it's a corner or safety up. You know, whoever is there's there's always someone. Someone always has backs that contain. This is a, a gap, a disciplined gap defense. They all have a gap. Someone always has backside contained. And in this game, 90% of the time, they didn't even care. They would just chase down the line. And then you would see him too. I mean, you would always see the guy like when the, the boot happens. Oh, no. Right away, it's like then they spin around. You're not going to catch that guy at this point. You know, you're out of the play. I just was so disappointed at the backside. And then it got better in the second half. But even the second half, there were so many times. And then you see the quote from uh, from the Giants side of things. The reason why Daniel Jones came out of the game is because he could not run those boots anymore because of his ankle. You know, he was he was fine. He just was a little hobbled. That's why they wanted to put Taylor in there because they knew they were going to gash the Bears all day on the backside boot because the Bears just weren't able to stop it. It's just it's pretty pathetic. Yeah, they clearly saw it on film and they exploited it and they kept running it until the Bears stopped it and they didn't really stop it. They didn't really stop it. Right? Like, I mean, because then they brought, like I said, they brought in Taylor and then Taylor got knocked out. And then instead of bringing Jones back in for a traditional offense, they said, let's run Wildcat then. We'll just, we'll just put Saquon Barkley back there. And like, okay, can I, can I ask you a question? Why the hell was Daniel Jones standing out on this, on the, like, like, do you do you not practice a package where you put another like someone who's worth anything in that play? Like, why have Daniel Jones out there? You've telegraphed that it's that's going to be Wildcat. Bring in somebody who who isn't just going to stand there on a bum ankle, right? Like, why would you? And, and he's your starting quarterback. Like, it's what's weird. it to say yeah. that you wouldn't have you know like a guy like uh, a receiver? Know, uh, well, <laughs> like uh, why you know why wouldn't why wouldn't Gordon or uh, uh, Vildor just go pop him, you know, just be like, yeah. Hey, he's the starting quarterback. Go, go give him a let, you know, line up uh, brisker on him and say, brisker, yeah. go, go, go knock him out. Like they're going to do that junk. That's a, that's the most meathead thing I ever heard you say right there, but I don't understand, but, but, <laughs> but as a, but as an offensive, as an offensive yeah. mind, and if you're going to run that as an extended package, I understand like one play, we went into wildcat and we flex out our quarterback or whatever, but like he's on a bum ankle. And he's your starting quarterback. Yeah. Like, why did you keep it? It was multiple plays where he was split out wide. Why do that? Like, why why put him out there for any any kind of susceptibility? I just did. I did not understand that. I was like, get him out of the game. At, at the time, I wasn't sure how bad the ankle was. So I'm thinking, man, if this guy really is hobbled, don't even cover him. And what are they What are they going to do? Throw the ball with him when he's when he's that hobbled? So I was thinking, just send that that corner off the edge, you know, just to do something. You know, but, you know, maybe the Bears weren't sure how bad the ankle was. Maybe they weren't sure if it was just kind of a, a gamesmanship thing. But but the Wildcat often looked pretty good for the Giants with Barkley. That's, a, uh, that's just a good football player. So it was uh, it was rough to see them just kind of gash the Bears with that stuff with him and Breida. I could have covered Daniel Jones on those plays. That's exactly. All, you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> very hobbled Daniel Jones because a, a, a fully healthy Daniel Jones is a very fast football player. So, he is, so yeah. I'm, I'm making that very clear. Um, just right, bowl of porridge. Um, I am taking the coward's way out again, and I'm going to say Trenton Gill. Uh, the, guillotine, the guillotine. Five, five punts. He had a 52.8 yard per punt average. Good game. 
like just just a real like for a rookie uh, i don't remember the other game i was watching had a rookie kicker kicker kicked it out of bounds or a rookie punter um kicked it out of bounds uh on a kickoff it had uh had a had a couple shanks and then a couple like booming punts like just super inconsistent gill's been really consistent i don't really think he's had um you know maybe one bad punt that i can kind of think about for the most part he's been he's been good he's been solid he's he's been able to place the ball down um inside the 20 win when the bears are close enough for him to be able to do that uh you know he's, he's certainly been backed up a little bit more than than you'd like to see as well but overall like i think for a rookie punter i think he's looked really solid um, I think the Bears have to be really happy with what they've gotten out of him because I know that Pat O'Donnell moved north and just ate cheese curds and now is a good punter. I don't know how that happened. Um, but for the most part, Pat O'Donnell was pretty darn average in Chicago. And yeah, he's a guy. What, what you were paying him, it was not really worth it. And so to let him walk was, I think, a good decision. Uh, and then to be able to fill that, and I think getting, um, you know, about average overall and maybe above average with, with the consistency from Gill, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think it's been a good pick, and I think he had a good game. Yeah, I mean, a late-round pick. I mean, Gill wasn't even one of the top punters they talked about. There's always a few punters that all the – like the, the uh, NFL.com, uh, the combine page, you know, that's that's how the us, us, us you know, normal guys, you know, kind, kind of look at punter, kind of see who they had listed there. He he was a guy that was listed, but he was a UDFA guy. He, there was, like, I think three draftable punters. He wasn't the guy. So when the Bears drafted him, I'm, I'm, like most fans, why are they drafting this guy? You know, this, you know. I don't know anything about college punters, you know, and then I talked to Jacob. He's like, oh, he's fine. His releases, he has to speed up his release a little bit. Okay, that's fine. That can happen. You know, he didn't have the biggest of legs in college, but it was fine. And, but yeah, I mean, like you, man, I mean, he's so good. We, he, he has a nickname now, the guillotine. So, I mean, that's. Gotta make it go. Gotta make it go, guys. Let's go. Gotta make a shirt. I gotta I gotta design a shirt and we'll get it. Gotta get it out there. We gotta get it out there. So so for my just right, I'm like like you did last week or maybe two weeks ago. You the spirit of the just right bowl is a guy who performs how we expect him to perform. You know, he's not over, not under. He's yep. I expect this out of this guy. So rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon. He had five tackles, he had a forced fumble. Not bad. Not bad numbers. Um, I, I saw a, a, a tweet earlier today. I, I forget who it was, but it was he had 26 coverage snaps, three targets, only one reception allowed for nine yards. Again, that's pretty good. But he had some missed tackles. Right. Um, there were several times when he was just blown up in, in, in the run game, just totally washed out of the play, being blocked. You know, he couldn't get off his block. Um, penalized twice, uh, illegal contact, the DPI. Cost the Bears 45 yards. So he had some good. He had some bad. This is what rookie cornerbacks usually do, you know. Right. The Bears had Jalen Johnson a few years back, and, and he was pretty good for a rookie. He was uh, – most corners don't play that good as a rookie. He was second-round pick. I mean, even guys that are first-round pick, they struggled. I see the Lions had a guy that struggled, Kuda, a couple years back. It happens. You know, if, if you get a rookie cornerback that can come in and be, you know – good from the go that's not normal the fact that gordon and he's learning two positions still he's still doing the whole inside outside thing which you know i understand it's probably your best option at both spots but i think it's the best thing for the player give him one job to focus on but that's not what the bears are doing so the spirit of of the of the of the just right bowl he's 
looked like I expected him to look. Ups and downs, struggles, inconsistent. That's Kyler Gordon's season so far. That's totally fair. I, I think you're you're probably right. He's he, I we're watching the education of Kyler Gordon live, and it's it's happening unfortunately, and some pretty negative highlights. But if you give up on corners um, as rookies, you are doing football wrong. Yeah. Like they they have uh, the steepest learning curve in in all positions outside of quarterback, right? Like I just it's just it's so hard to see guys step in and learn the easiest the easiest positions generally running back they just have to have to make sure that they pick up pass protection um but even guys that don't have pass protection they can get in and get carries right um the defensive linemen generally have have the shortest path because it's a much more of a read and react position but it just it gets harder the further out you get and uh corners you know with those savvy wide receivers uh you know complex coverages that most college defenses never even dreamed of teaching these guys in college um it's it's uh it's definitely going from you know the 101 into like a you know graduate level course pretty quick and if you're gonna be thrown in on the deep end you know it's tough so makes sense that's fair uh, still got high hopes for, for Kyler. And this is a guy who, you know, we're all saying like, Hey, develop the young guys. This is a guy that's getting developed. Uh, getting developed. May not like what you see, but eventually it's going to be good for him. You got to take your lumps. Uh, These are all good reps work. for him. Good experience. Oh, absolutely. You know, what inside, outside, wherever he's playing, you know, he seems like a guy that learns from his mistakes, you know? So like, you know, when he's trailing a play, when he, when he, when he doesn't, like we saw a couple weeks ago where it seemed like he, he passed it off. There was no one, no one there to pass it off to. You know, he, he's still trying to figure out the zone coverages the Bears run, you know, so he'll get there, you know, like like a lot of the young guys in the Bears, I am confident that they'll get to where they got to get to just because you you watch the potential they have from college, you know, so he'll get there. It's going to take a while. Well, let's get out of here. Um, let's not belabor a loss too much longer. I think they're, I think this was a, this was a tough tape to go back and watch. And yeah. fortunately I'm going to have to pick a player and go back and watch it again. Uh, so that EJ and I can talk about somebody on bears over beers. I haven't decided yet. Uh, I don't know if EJ will let me get away with watching five uh, Trenton Gill punts. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't do the punter. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, I'll, I'll do uh, all four games of Gill and just see how many people uh, never turn back into bears over beers. After <laughs> that. But um, you know, uh, schedule back on like normal uh, we'll have bears over beers wednesday night uh you know you'll have t formation conversation with mason on fridays mason's got his own show now with danny Meehan. uh we'll be doing that running that on thursdays correct thursdays at five o'clock uh central and of course uh, bill's show and taylor's shows are coming out and uh continuing to add the depth with interviews and and focusing on different players and um, just been really cool lineup. Really like how everything's coming together. Make sure you're checking out the 10 minute drill. It's quick. Uh, we have made the 10 minutes, both the last two weeks. Shocking. So, I can't uh, believe it. After I mean, the first time I'm like, man, these guys are never going to do it. Yeah. I mean, you would have lost a lot of money betting against basically betting against Robert. Right. I mean, yeah. that, that that's what it comes down to. I, I've, I've stayed in my lane, but uh, you know, it's, it's tough, man. Robert gets excited and he wants to, he wants to go fast, but a lot of cool stuff for you. Hopefully you're, you're, uh, you're getting what you need out of your bears coverage. Stick with us, man. Like stick with this team. You know, it is what it is. This is probably more what we expected. We're learning a lot. We're learning things every week. Um, I think that this is, 
it's at least entertaining from that perspective, even if the product on the field isn't always that. So um, stick with us. We're having fun. We're happier with us. Till next time, bear down.